Section forty of the Fair Maid of Perth or Saint Valentine's Day. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fair Maid of Perth or Saint Valentine's Day by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter thirty four, part two. When the clans were thus drawn up opposed to each other, they imitated their fugual animosity and their eagerness to engage by a wild scream, which, uttered by the clan Quahill, was answered and echoed back by the clan Chatton, the whole at the time shaking their swords and menacing each other, as if they meant to conquer the imagination of their opponents ere they mingled in the actual strife. At this trying moment, Torquil, who had never feared for himself, was agitated with alarm on the part of his dalt, yet consoled by observing that he kept a determined posture, and that the few words which he spoke to his clan were delivered boldly, and well calculated to animate them to combat, and expressing as resolution to partake their fate in death or victory. But there was no time for their observation the trumpets of the king sounded a charge the bagpipes blew up their screaming and maddening notes and the combatants starting forward in regular order and increasing their pace till they came to a smart run met together in the centre of the ground as a furious land torrent encounters an advancing tide for an instant or two with the front lines hewing at each other with their long swords seemed engaged in a succession of single combats but the second and third ranks soon came up on either side actuated alike by the eagerness of hatred and the thirst of honour pressed through the intervals and rendered the same tumultuous chaos over which the huge swords rose and sunk some still glittering others streaming with blood appearing from the wild rapidity with which they were swayed rather to be put in motion by some complicated machinery than to be wielded by human hands some of the combatants too much crowded together to use those long weapons had already betaken themselves to their poniards and endeavoured to get within the sword sweep of those opposed to them in the meantime the blood flowed flat and the groans of those who fell began to mingle with the cries of those who fought for according to the manner of the highlanders at all times they could barely be said to shout but to yell those of the spectators whose eyes were best accustomed to such scenes of blood and confusion could nevertheless discover no advantage she had acquired by either party the conflict swayed indeed at different intervals forwards or backwards but it was only in momentary superiority which the party who acquired it most instantly lost by a corresponding exertion on the other side the wild notes of the pipers were still heard above the tumult and stimulated to farther excursions the fury of the combatants at once however and as if by mutual agreement the instruments sounded a retreat it was expressed in wailing notes which seemed to imply a derage for the fallen the two parties disengaged themselves from each other to take breath for a few minutes 
the eyes of the spectators greedily surveyed the shattered array of the combatants as they drew off from contest but found it still impossible to decide which had sustained the greater loss it seemed as if the clan chatton had lost rather fewer men than their antagonists but in compensation the bloody plaids and skirts of their party for several on both sides had thrown their mantles away showed more wounded men than the clan quahill about twenty of both sides lay on the field dead or dying and arms and legs lopped off heads left to the chin slashes deep through the shoulder into the breast showed at once the fury of the combat the ghastly character of the weapons used and the fatal strength of the arms which wielded them the chief of the clan chatton had behaved himself with the most determined courage and was lately wounded Eachin also had fought with spirit, surrounded by his bodyguard. His sword was bloody, his bearing bold and warlike, and he smiled when Ord to Quill, folding him in his arms, loaded him with praises and with blessings. The two chiefs, after allowing their followers to breathe for the space of about ten minutes, again drew up in their files, diminished by nearly one-third of their original number they now chose their ground nearer to the river than that on which they had formerly encountered which was encumbered with the wounded on the slain some of the former were observed from the time to time to raise themselves to gain a glimpse of the field and sink back most of them to die from the effusion of blood which poured from the terrific gashes inflicted by the claymore harry smith was easily distinguished by his lowland habit as well as his remaining on the spot where they had first encountered where he stood learning on a sword beside a corpse whose bonneted head carried to ten yards distance from the body by the force of the bow which had swept it off exhibited the oak leaf the appropriate ornament of the bodyguard of eachin macklin since he slew this man henry had not struck a blow but had contented himself with wording off many that were dealt at himself and some which were aimed at the chief mikhail chattanock became alarmed when having given the signal that his men should again draw together he observed that his powerful recruit remained at a distance from the ranks and showed little disposition to join them what ails thee man said the chief can so strong a body have a mean and cowardly spirit come and make it into the combat you are as good as called me hireling but now replied henry i am such pointing to the headless corpse i have done enough for my day's wage he's that serves me without counting his hours replied the chief i reward him without reckoning wages then said the smith i fight as a volunteer and in the post which best likes me all that is at your own discretion replied mikhail's chattanock who saw the prudence of armoring an auxiliary of such promise it is enough said henry and shouldering his heavy weapon he joined the rest of the combatants with alacrity and placed him opposite to the chief of the clan quahill it was then for the first time that eachin showed some uncertainty 
he had long looked up to henry as the best combatant which perth and its neighbourhood could bring into the lists his hatred to him as a rival was mingled with recollection of the ease which he had once though unarmed foiled his own sudden and desperate attack and when he beheld him with his eyes fixed in his direction the dripping sword in his hand and obviously meditating an attack on him individually his courage fell and he gave symptoms of wavering which did not escape his foster-father it was lucky for eachin that torquil was incapable from the formation of his own temper and that of those with whom he had lived to conceive the idea of one of his own tribe much less of his chief and foster-son being deficient in animal courage could he have imagined this his grief and rage might have driven him to the fierce extremity of taking eachin's life to save him from staining his honour but his mind rejected the idea that his dolt was a personal coward as something which was monstrous and unnatural that he was under the influence of enchantment was a solution which superstition had suggested and he now anxiously but in a whisper demanded of hector does the spell now darken thy spirit eachin yes wretch that i am answered the unhappy youth and wonder stands the fell enchanter what exclaimed Turquil, and you wear harness of his making norman miserable boy who brought you that accursed mail if my error has flown astray i can but shoot my life after it answered norman nanord stand firm you shall see me break the spell yes stand firm said Turquil. he may be a fell enchanter but my own ear has heard and my own tongue has told that eachin shall leave the battle hall free and unwounded let us see the saxon wizard who can gainsay that he may be a strong man but the fair forest of the oak shall fall stock and bow ere he lay a finger on my dolt ring around my sons bas ere son eachin the sons of Torquil shouted back the words which signify death for hector encouraged by their devotion eachin renewed his spirit and called boldly to the minstrels of the clan sid sauce that is strike up the wild pibroch again sounded the onset but the two parties approached each other more slowly than at first as men who knew and respected each other's valour henry wind in his impatience to begin the contest advanced before the clan chatton and signed to eachin to come norman however sprang forward to cover his vast brother and there was a general though momentary pause as if both parties were willing to obtain an omen of the fate of the day from the event of this duel the highlander advanced with his large sword uplifted as an act to strike but just as he came within the sword's length he dropped the long and cumbrous weapon leapt lightly over the smith's sword as he fetched a cut at him drew his dagger and being thus within henry's guard struck him with the weapon his own gift on the side of the throat directing the blow downwards into the chest and calling aloud at the same time you taught me the stab but henry went roar his own good hauberk doubtly defended with a lining of tempered steel 
had he been the less surely armed his combatants had been ended for ever even as it was he was slightly wounded fool he replied striking norman a blow with the pommel of his long sword which made him stagger backwards you were taught the thrust but not the parry and fetching a blow at his antagonist which the cleft his skull through the steel cap he strode over the lifeless body to engage the young chief who now stood open before him but the sonorous voice of Draquil thundered fair erson agent another for hector and the two brethren who flanked their chief on each side thrust forward upon henry and striking both at once compelled him to keep the defensive forward race of tiger cat cried MacGyle chattanock save the brave saxon let these kites feel your talons already much wounded the chief dragged himself up to the smith's assistance and cut down one of the laytock by whom he was assailed henry's own good sword rid him of the other resist ere son Eichen, again for hector shouted the faithful foster-father bas er son Eichen. death for hector answered two more of his devoted sons and opposed themselves to the fury of the smith and those who had come to his aid while Eichen, moving towards the left wing of the battle sought less formidable adversaries and again by some show of valour revived the sinking hopes of his followers the two children of the oak who had covered this movement shared the fate of their brethren for the cry of the clan chatton chief had drawn to the part of the field some of his bravest warriors the sons of Torquil did not fall unavenged but left dreadful marks of their swords on the persons of the dead and living but the necessity of keeping their utmost distinguished soldiers around the person of their chief told to disadvantage on the general event of the combat and so few were now the number who remained fighting that it was easy to see that the clan chatton had fifteen of their number left though most of them wounded and that the clan quahill was about ten remained of whom there were four of the chief's bodyguard including torquil himself they fought and struggled on however and as their strength decayed their fury seemed to increase henry wind now wounded in many places was still bent on breaking through or exterminating the band of bold hearts who continued to fight around the object of his animosity but still the father's shout of another for hector was cheerfully answered by the fatal countersign death for hector and though the clan quahill were now outnumbered the combat seemed still dubious it was bodily lassitude alone that again compelled them to another pause the clan chatton were then observed to be twelve in number but two or three were scarce able to stand without leaning on their swords five were left to the clan quahill turquil and his youngest son were of the number both slightly wounded each and alone had from the vigilance used to intercept all blows levelled against his person escaped without injury the rage of both parties had sunk through exhaustion into sullen desperation they walked staggering as if in their sleep through the carcasses of the slain and gazed on them as if again to animate their hatred towards their surviving enemies 
by viewing their friends they had lost the multitude soon after beheld the survivors of the desperate conflict drawing together to renew the exterminating feud on the banks of the river as the spot least slippery with blood and less encumbered by the bodies of the slain for god's sake for the sake of the mercy which we daily pray for said the king-hearted old king to the duke of albany let this be ended wherefore should these wretched rags and remnants of humanity be suffered to complete their butchery surely they will now be ruled and accept of peace on moderate terms compose yourself my league said his brother these men are the pest of the lowlands both chiefs are still living if they go back unharmed the whole day's work is cast away remember your promise to the council that you would not cry hold you compel me to a great crime albany both as a king who should protect his subjects and as a christian man who respects the brother of his faith you judge wrong my lord said the duke these are not loving subjects but disobedient rebels as my lord of Crafton can bear witness and they are still less christian men for the prior of the dominicans will vouch for me that they are more than half heathen the king sighed deeply you must work your pleasure and are too wise for me to contend with but i can turn away and shut my eyes from the sights and sounds of the carnage which makes me sicken but well i know that god will punish me even for witnessing this waste of human life sound trumpets said albany their wounds will stiffen if they dally longer while this was passing draquil was embracing and encouraging his young chief resist the witchcraft but a few minutes longer be of good cheer you will come off without either scar or scratch whim or wound be of good cheer how can i be of good cheer said eachin while my brave kinsmen have one by one died at my feet died all for me who could never deserve the least of their kindness and for what were they born save to die for their chief said torquil composedly why lament that the arrows returns not to the quiver providing it hit the mark cheer up yet here are tormot and i but little hurt while the wild carts drag themselves through the plain as if they were half throbbed by the terriers yet one brave stand and the day shall be your own though it may well be that you alone remain alive minstrels sound the gathering the pipers on both sides blew their charge and the combatants again mingled in battle not indeed with the same strength but with unabated inveteracy they were joined by those whose duty it was to have remained neuter but who now found themselves unable to do so the old champions who bore the standards had gradually advanced from the extremity of the lists and now approached close to the immediate scene of action when they beheld the carnage more nearly they were mutually impelled by the desire to revenge their brethren or not to survive them they attacked each other furiously with the lances to which the standards were attached closed after exchanging several deadly thrusts then grappled in close strife still holding their banners until at length in the eagerness of their conflict they fell together into the tay and were found 
drowned after the combat, closely locked in each other's arms. The fear of the battle, the frenzy of rage and despair, infected the next, the minstrels. The two pipers who, during the conflict, had done their utmost to keep up the spirits of their brethren, now saw the dispute well nigh terminated for want of men to support it. They threw down their instruments, rushed desperately upon each other with their daggers, and each being more intent on dispatching his opponent than in defending himself. The piper of Clan Quhill was almost instantly slain, and he of Clan Chetan mortally wounded. The last, nevertheless, again grasped his instrument, and the pibroch of the clan yet poured its expiring notes over the Clan Chetan, while the dying minstrel had breath to inspire it. The instrument which he used, or at least that part of it called the chanter, is preserved in the family of a highland chief to this day, and is much honored under the name of the Federandu, or Black Chanter. Meanwhile, in the final charge, young Tormot, devoted like his brethren, by his father Draquil, to the protection of his chief, had been mortally wounded by the unsparing sword of the smith. The other two remaining, of the clan Chattan, had also fallen, and Torquil, with his foster's son and the wounded Tormot, forced to retreat for eight or ten of the clan Chattan, made a stand on the bank of the river, while their enemies were making such excursions as their wounds would permit to come up with them. Traquil had just reached the spot where he had resolved to make the stand, when the young Tormat dropped and expired. His death drew from his father, the first and only sigh which he had breathed throughout the eventual day. "'My son Tormat,' he said, "'my youngest and dearest. But if I save Hector, I save all. Now, my darling dolt, I've done for thee all that man may, excepting the last.' Let me undo the claps of that ill-omited armor, and do thou put on that of Tormot. It is light, and will fit thee well. While you do so, I will rush on these crippled men, and make what play with them I can. I sh trust I shall have but little to do, for they are following each other like disabled steers. At last, darling of my soul, if I am unable to save thee, I can show thee how a man should die. While Traquil thus spoke, he unloosened the clasp of the young chief's hauberk, in the simple belief that he could thus break the meshes which fear and democracy had twined about his heart. "'My father, my father, my more than parent,' said the unhappy Eichin, "'stay with me. With you by my side, I feel I can fight to the last.' "'It is impossible,' said Traquil. I will stop them coming, while you put on the hauberk. God eternally bless thee, beloved of my soul. And then, brandishing his sword, Turquil of the Oak rushed forward with the same fatal war-cry which had so often sounded over that bloody field. Bas er son Aegean. The words rung three times in a voice of thunder, and each time that he cried his war-shout, he struck down one of the clan Chattan as he met them successfully strangling towards him. Brave battle, hawk, well-flown, falcon, exclaimed the multitude as they witnessed excursions which seemed, even at this last hour, to threaten a change of the fortunes of the day. 
suddenly these cries were hushed into silence and succeeded by a clashing of swords so dreadful as if the whole conflict had recommended in the person of henry wind and torquil of the oak they cut foined hewed and thrust as if they had drawn their blades for the first time that day and their inveteracy was mutual for torquil recognized the foul wizard who as he supposed had cast a spell over his child but henry saw before him the giant who during the whole conflict had interrupted for the purpose for which alone he had joined the combatants that of engaging in single combat with hector they fought with an equality which perhaps would not have existed had not henry more wounded than his antagonist been somewhat deprived of his usual agility meanwhile Eachin, finding himself alone after a disorderly and vain attempt to put on his foster-brother's harness became animated by an emotion of shame and despair and hurried forward to support his foster-father in a terrible struggle ere some other of the clan chattan should come up when he was within five yards and sternly determined to take his share in the death of fight his foster-father fell cleft from the collar-bone well nigh to the heart and murmuring with his last breath bas er son ichen the unfortunate youth saw the fall of his last friend and at the same moment beheld the deadly enemy who had hunted him through the whole field standing within sword's point of him and brandishing the huge weapon which had hewed its way to his life through so many obstacles perhaps this is enough to bring his constitutional timidity to its highest point or perhaps he recollected at the same movement that he was without defence of armour and that a line of enemies halting indeed and crippled but eager for revenge of blood were closely approaching it is enough to say that his heart sickened his eyes darkened his ears tingled his brain turned giddy and other considerations were lost in the apprehension of instant death and drawing one if ineffectual blow at the smith he voided that which was aimed at him in return by bounding backward and ere the former could recover his weapon Eachin had plunged into the stream of the tay a roar of contumely pursued him as he swam across the river although perhaps not a dozen of those who joined in would have behaved otherwise in the like circumstances henry looked after the fugitive in silence and surprise but could not speculate on the consequences of his flight on account of the faintness which seemed to overpower him as soon as the animation of the contest had subsided he sat down on the grassy bank and endeavoured to stanch such of his wounds as were pouring fastest the victors had the general meed of gratulation the duke of albany and others went down to severity the field and henry wind was honoured with particular notice if thou wilt follow me good fellow said the black douglas i will change my leathern apron for a knight's girdle and thy burgage tenant for a hundred pound land to maintain thy rank withal i thank you humbly my lord said the smith dejectedly 
but i have shed blood enough already and heaven has punished me by foiling the only purpose for which i entered the combat how friend said douglas didst thou not fight for the clan chatton and have they gained not gained a glorious conquest i fought for my own hand meaning i did such a thing for my own pleasure not for your profit said the smith indifferently and the expression is still proverbial in scotland the good king robert now came up on an embling palfrey having entered the barriers for the purpose of causing the wounded to be looked after my lord of douglas he said you vex the poor man with temporal matters when it seems he may have short timber to consider those that are spiritual he has no friends here who will bear him where his bodily wounds and the health of his soul may be both cared for he hath as many friends as there are good men in perth said sir patrick charitus and i esteem myself one of the closest a churl will savour of curl's kind said the haughty douglas turning his horse aside the proffer of knighthood from the sword of douglas had recalled him from death's door and there had been a drop of gentle blood in his body disregarding the taunt of the mighty earl the knight of kenfons dismounted to take henry in his arms as he now sunk back from very faintness but he was prevented by simon glover who with other burgesses of consideration had now entered the barris henry my beloved son henry said the old man oh what tempted you to this fatal array dying speechless no not speechless said henry catherine he could utter no more catherine is well i trust and shall be thine that is if if she be safe thou wouldst say old man said the douglas who though something affronted at henry's rejection of his offer was too magnanimous not to interest himself in what was passing she is safe if douglas's banner can protect her safe and she'll be rich douglas can give wealth to those who value it more than ever for her safety my lord let the heartfelt thanks and blessings of a father go to the noble douglas for wealth we are rich enough gold cannot restore my beloved son a marvel said the earl a churl refuses nobility a citizen despises gold upon your lordship's favour said sir patrick i who am knight and noble take license to say that such a brave man as henry wind may reject honourable titles such an honest man as this reverend citizen may dispense with gold you do well sir patrick to speak for your town and i take no offence said the douglas i force my bounty on no one but he added in a whisper to albany your grace must withdraw the king from his bloody sight for he must know that to-night which will ring over broad scotland when to-morrow dawns this feud is ended yet even i grieve that so many brave scotchmen lie here slain whose brands might have decided a pitched field in their country's cause 
with dignity king robert was withdrawn from the field the tears running down his aged cheeks and white beard as he conjured all around him nobles and priests that care should be taken for the bodies and souls of a few wounded survivors and honourable burial rendered to the slain the priests who were present answered zealously for both services and redeemed their pledge faithfully and piously thus ended this celebrated conflict of the north inch of perth of sixty-four brave men the minstrels and standard-bearers included who strode manfully to the fatal field seven alone survived who were conveyed from thence in litters in a case little different from the dead and dying around them and mingled with them in the sad procession which conveyed them from the scene of their strife each alone had left it void of wounds and void of honour there remains but to say that not a man of the clan quahill survived the bloody combat except the fugitive chief and the consequence of the defeat was the dissolution of their confederacy the clans of which it consisted are now only matter of conjecture to the antiquary for after this eventful contest they never assembled under the same banner the clan chatton on the other hand continued to increase and flourish and the best families of the northern highlands boast their descent from the race of the cat a mountain end of section forty read by elijah fisher